Well, hello everyone. My name is Jonah, and uh, perhaps you've heard of me from the Bible, uh, or maybe from that uh, animated movie starring vegetables. Uh, you know, it was, it was a nice, a nice job with it. I'm, I'm more of a Pixar guy, but uh, there were some catchy tunes in there. Uh, but yes, my name is Jonah. I am a prophet. Uh, the running joke amongst my friends being there's not a whole lot of prophet being a prophet. <laughs> that, uh, that joke only really works in English. Um, but, oh, I, I see some of you are checking out my Blackhawks jersey, right? Huh? Pretty good, huh? So uh, we don't really do hockey where I'm from. I don't really know, we don't really do ice where I'm from. Apparently, so water gets really hard when it gets cold and it's slippery and there's something involving, you know, hitting something into, I don't know. But uh, I told my buddy Shlomo that I was going to be here, and uh, he sent this to me. He said, you're going to want to wear this. They'll love it there. They love the Chicago Blackhawks. And so I, as I look down now and see, I don't really get it where the Blackhawks thing comes from exactly. But, uh, oh, uh, that's not a Blackhawks jersey. It's a jersey for a team that doesn't exist anymore called the Hartford Whalers. Your friend was playing a joke on you. Whalers, get it? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah whale, I get it. And then, okay. I should have known Shlomo was going to play a trick. I should have known. He's a jokester. He lo- Oh, my word. Yeah, so uh, Whalers. You know, you know, you spend a, a lifetime doing good work, prophesying, and uh, you just get swallowed that one time by the whale, and all of a sudden everybody just wants to talk about the whale, you know? I mean, you'd think sometimes that my last name was Anne the Whale, you know? I, imagine if you were defined by, like, your most embarrassing moment, your, your biggest failure, like, uh, you know, Hey, there goes Bob in the shoplifted candy bar. Hey, it's, it's Cindy in the phony expense reports. Al, if it isn't Ray in the tongue on the flagpole. I mean, because yeah, I got a lot of stories. I mean, I, I got, uh, there's this one I was thinking about the other day. Uh, I'm giving this prophecy, and this guy, Parnaim, he's, he's receiving it, and his whole family's there, and this guy was a piece of work. Anyway, uh, I realized that my fly is down, and so what do you do at that moment? But you say, you know, I think it's time to go to a time of prayer. Everybody closes their eyes. I take care of business, and I'm back. And as, as I'm telling the story, it's not that good of a story, actually. Um, you know, so we'll go back to the whale story, I guess. All right, fine. You want to get the whale story? I'll give you the whale story. Um, I don't really remember it. I don't tell it. I don't remember it as the whale story as much as the Nineveh story. The whale was just a kind of a detour part of it, but I'll just walk you through the day. Uh, you know, I'm doing my thing, and I, um, I wake up this ordinary morning, and I say, well, what is it going to be today, Lord? What do you, what do you have for me? Which, which person of Israel needs your encouragement to, today um, or, or your correction? I had no idea what was coming. The word was this, go to the great city of Nineveh. And preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, I know sharing that with you all now, it doesn't sound like, it's like, what's the big deal, you know? 
go to Nineveh, which is a town in Assyria, uh, deliver the message, you know, maybe buy a t-shirt for the kids that says, my dad prophesied against Nineveh and all I got was this dumb t-shirt, whatever. Come home, call it a day. Well, the first thing you need to know is that up to this point, my, my, my prophet friends and I, we had never heard a, a, a prophecy against anyone outside of Israel. It just, just didn't happen. And the second thing you need to know is how we all felt about Assyria in general and Nineveh in particular. I'm trying to figure out who I can compare the Ninevites to. Um, first of all, think of the person that you hate the most and then imagine that they also uh, smell really bad and they're mean to your pets and they go up to little old ladies as they're trying to cross the street and they shove them into the oncoming traffic. And that is just like a tenth of the way that I felt about the Ninevites. Just awful people. Someone told me that uh, maybe the best way to describe it to this crowd would be to say sort of a combination of a a Cardinals fan and a Packers fan all wrapped up into one bundle. I don't know what that means, but somebody said that that might be, help you, you know, understand it in context. And that's not even the main reason that I didn't want to go preach against them. It's because, you know, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say this, but you know what? I'll come back to it later. It's a, it's a great story. So, uh, I hear this assignment that I've been given, and I think about Nineveh, and all of a sudden, all I can think is Tarshish. Tarshish sounds really nice at a time like this. Never been to Tarshish, but uh, I've heard nice things about it. And the most important thing is that Tarshish is over here, and Nineveh is over there. And uh, so I decide to run from God. I know, I know it sounds stupid, but it seemed like a good idea at the time. Have you ever you ever had that experience where you thought that you could run from God, where you thought that running from God made sense? You know that the phrase, uh, you can run, but you can't hide. I'm pretty sure that that was first said about me. Um, I, and I knew the scriptures. I knew one, well, Psalm 139, so, sorry, Psalm 139 says very clearly, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. Well, in my unwillingness to be obedient to God, because of, because of what I'll get into later, I really thought that I could flee from God's presence. And I mean, I knew I wasn't being totally obedient or, or even, you know, halfway obedient. I mean, mostly I was being completely, totally disobedient. But I... I figured it'd be okay. I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen? I mean, if it was important enough for Yahweh to make this thing happen, he would find someone to do it, right? And probably he would do a better job than me. And anyway, I, 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 I was feeling a little burned out. A little vacation would be nice, a little R&R. Maybe after a vacation, I'd feel better about going and doing something like this. So off I go. One ticket for Tarshish, please. And I, I get on the boat, and you know, once I'm on the boat, I feel even better about my decision. You know, the sun is out, the weather is nice, the sea is just beautiful. It's really then that the rationalizations really started to kick in, you know? I'm thinking, you know, I'm not in a very good place spiritually right now. I haven't been real strong in my devotional life. Uh, why would Yahweh want to 
use me anyway. I, I, I've, and anyway, look, look now how, how disobedient I am. Surely someone like me isn't worthy to deliver this kind of message. Maybe I misunderstood him. Maybe I didn't even hear him right anyway. It's just all going to work out fine. And so there I am on the boat, and uh, the clouds kind of roll in, and uh, ah, it's too bad. It was such a nice day. And then it starts to rain, and then uh, it starts to pour, and, um, and then the wind really, really picks up. And the, it was, there was like this greenish color I mean, it was, it was, it did not feel like an ordinary storm. And the crew starts kind of getting nervous and they're thinking something's got to change. We're not going to survive this. They start throwing things off the side of the boat. There, there's really, really, there's an almost like emergency happening. And so what does Jonah do at a time like this? I think nap time, wouldn't you? That's what you would think. It's, it's It's time for a nap. So and of course, I don't just uh, go where to my bed. No, that wouldn't be enough. It's not enough for me to run from God to get on the boat. I run from God on the boat. I go down underneath the, where the sleeping area is into the cargo area because they're going to find me in my bed. But, so I'm, I'm off. I'm, I'm hidden behind some cargo, and I just go right to sleep. You can count on Jonah. When he needs, you need him, I'll, I'll be sleeping. And it, it, I'm fast asleep. Naps are nice, you know. And um, I'm awakened by the captain shaking me. And he says, what are you doing sleeping at a time like this? You need to pray to your God too. And I said, look, that's, that's exactly my head. I'm thinking that's exactly what I, why I'm not out there praying. I'm trying to get away from that. That's why I'm here. So by now, the, the whole crew... Has, has come to the conclusion that this storm is, is not an ordinary storm. And they are, I mean, they're saving their lives. They had found me in the cargo area because they were getting cargo up to throw off of the boat just to save the boat. And they think something is, there, there's a reason why this storm is happening. And they just, they want to figure out who on the boat is responsible. And so they decide that they're going to draw straws, basically. Kind of the same thing as putting everyone name, everyone's name in a hat and whatever name they draw out, that's the one who's responsible for this storm. And, you know, I don't even have to look. I know exactly what's coming. And sure enough, it's me. And so they come to me, and then they just start peppering me with questions. They say, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And I'm like, what are we, speed dating here? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm kidding. I didn't say that. Uh, I said, uh, said, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And, you know, he is the one who made this storm, and all of this is happening because I'm running away from him. Well, their eyes got really big, and they they ask me, okay, so now what, now what do we do? <laughs> and I'm like, don't you get it? You have to throw me overboard. I have to die. I deserve to die for the way I responded to Yahweh, which of course is 
kind of what they want to hear, but not really what they want to hear, uh, because they're starting to believe that this Yahweh thing might be real, and they know that I'm one of Yahweh's guys, and they don't really, really want to be responsible for killing one of Yahweh's guys. So they try one last time to save the boat, but it is a lost cause. And I realize, the, you know, the options are either I die or we all die. And in that moment, I, I have to come to terms with the fact that I'm about to meet my maker, and uh, my maker is not all that happy with me. So it was, it was terrifying, but it was my only option. And so with fear and regret in their eyes, they, they grab me and they say, sorry, Yahweh, sorry that we're doing this. And they throw me over the side of the boat, splash into the sea. And wouldn't you know it, in an instant, the sea becomes calm and the skies clear up. <laughs> it was unmistakable what was happening and it was not lost on them. As I, I see the boat fade slowly into the distance. I can hear them praying to Yahweh, praising Yahweh. I have no idea what happened to those, those men, but I know that God somehow used my disobedient act to, to reveal himself to them. So there I am. I, you know, I, I start to brace myself for what's coming next, and I'm, I'm thinking, okay, what's it going to be that... Uh, that gets me. Am I, I going to drown? Am I going to starve? Is some giant bird going to come and claw me to death? Is some fish? And just as I'm saying fish in my head, I start to hear this low rumbling noise beneath me. This is not going to be good. And I start to be drawn down into the sea. And all in one motion, this giant mouth comes around me. And this, this massive tongue is right there. And then it's dark. And I think, yeah, this is it. This is how it's going to happen. This is how I'm going to die. But in the darkness, I realize something is very strange. But just as sure as I knew that the storm came because of my disobedience, I knew that this whale was here not to eat me, but rather to save me, to protect me from whatever else there might be out there on the open sea that could kill me. And I thought, you know, this is just like Yahweh to care for me in this way. I deserve to die for my disobedience. I deserve to be eaten by this whale, and yet God sent the whale to protect me. And I thought back over my life how, how many ways I, I had been running from God in big ways, yeah, but, but also in small ways, how foolish it was. I was, you know, I was running, trying to find peace, and the very thing that I was running from is what I should have been running towards to find that peace. And from inside this, this massive thing, I, I don't know exactly how to describe it, I don't know if I was awake or I was dreaming, but... I just began to worship God. I was inside of this miracle as it was happening. And I was in awe. And I began to worship. And I ended my time of worship with these words. I said, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. That is, when, 
when you hold tightly to things you worship instead of God, you, you can't hold on to God. For me, I was holding on to my desire to control my life, and I clearly needed to let go and be obedient. And then I went on to pray this, but I, with shouts of praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation. You hear people talk about that a lot in a spiritual sense, but I was experiencing it in a very real, literal sense. God had saved me. Saved me from myself, but saved me from certain death there on the open sea. And I I realized that I, I had tried to choose death over following God, and he wouldn't let me. I finally said, okay, God, whatever you want me to do, I want to do it. I will be obedient to you. And that was my first big lesson from this whole story. And I thought, you know, I'll never again question you, God. I'll never be disobedient. I'll never have a bad attitude. And I really did mean it at the time. We'll get back to that later. So I didn't know what was going to happen next. But before I can even think about it, it's it's all of a sudden, it's bright again. And wham, I I am there on dry land. I'm there on the beach and I am covered in whale vomit. Uh, and I look up and I see this city and I don't even have to ask. I know, I know where I am. That has got to be Nineveh. And so uh, I know the term whale vomit sounds glamorous, but you'll have to take my word for it. it, it it's a little bit unsavory. So I try to clean myself up as best as I can. And um, I hear the voice of Yahweh again, and he says to me, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. And I'm like, okay, Yahweh, this time, loud and clear, I got it. So Nineveh is this massive city, and um, it would take you three days to go through it. And I end up walking for about a day to this little market area. I'm not really sure where this is all going to take place. But as I start to be around these these Ninevites, I, I was having a hard time with, with my attitude. And, and it's because I saw these just nasty little Ninevites. And I, I didn't know why God was bothering to talk to them in the first place. I mean, they were awful people who did awful things and they deserved punishment. Or if not punishment, they at least deserved to keep on being ignored. I tried my best, though. Obedience was my goal. Since I had basically failed at that prior to this moment, I thought, you know, I'm just going to say my thing. They're going to make fun of me or they're going to ignore me, and I'll be able to go on my way. So I just went into the market and I said, uh, excuse me, folks, I, uh, can I have your attention, please? I am a messenger from Yahweh. And uh, he says this. 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Thank you for your time. And the strangest thing happened. Uh, They started listening to me, and they started asking me follow-up questions about what I meant and about what repentance would look like. And I say, well, you know, if you want to, I mean, you're probably not going to because you're Ninevites, but uh, I mean, if you wanted to, you could, you know, fast and you could put on sackcloth as a sign of your repentance or whatever. And they, they did it. And then after talking to them for a while, word starts spreading and I get this, this message that the king, <laughs> the king wants to see me. And I'm like, 
first, my first thought is, this Shlomo playing a trick on me here? You know, I don't, I don't trust this at all. But I'm like, well, I might as well go. So I go to the palace, and sure enough, there's the king, and he wants to see me, and he invites me in, and he's wearing this royal robe, and in front of me, he takes off his royal robe, puts on sackcloth, and I'm thinking, oh man, this is, this is probably just for show. Doesn't really mean it. But he, he calls for a fast, and then he says, let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. And uh, I stay with him a while, and I'm trying to be polite, but secretly I'm still hoping that uh, this is going to go south at some point, and I am going to have a front row seat for a good old-fashioned smiting. Because, you know, when you can see uh, smiting just right up close and personal, it is something. But uh, they continue. They keep on repenting. And I get this final word from God, and I tell them that God was not going to bring on them the destruction that he had planned. And so there's cheering, and they thank me. And then I excuse myself to go have a little word with Yahweh. Because see, I, I knew that this was going to happen. Remember when I said at the beginning that there was a reason why I didn't want to go and preach to uh, the Ninevites? And I said I was embarrassed to tell you. Well, here's the reason. I didn't want to give this word from Yahweh because I knew that God would show them mercy. He wanted to love them, and I did not want them to experience that kind of love. Now, you may think that going and preaching against someone would be a great way uh, to, to, to be around people that you don't like. You know, it's like that means that you don't like them if, they're, if you're rebuking them, right? Well, that makes sense. You're thinking, Jonah, if you, if you don't like them, why didn't you jump at the chance to go to Nineveh? Well, if there's one thing I've learned from being a prophet, it's that Preaching against someone, rebuking someone, doesn't mean that you hate them. It actually means that you care about them. Think about if you're, if you're about to do something that hurts you. Let's say you're about to walk off the edge of a cliff, and someone might speak to you sternly and say, Stop it! Turn around! Now! Initially, you may think, Well, this guy doesn't care about me. But when you realize what it was that you were about to do, that they were stopping you from doing, you realize, Oh, this, this person really cared about me. And that, that, that really changes the nature of the rebuke. I knew that if I preached to those dirty little Ninevites, that it would make their lives better. It would make them happier. They would experience joy. And if I'm being honest, I didn't want them to experience joy. I liked that they were miserable in their sin. Without a doubt, I was experiencing what the Germans call Schadenfreude. It's the only German word I know. Have you heard this word before? Schadenfreude. It's, uh, it, it means taking pleasure in the misery of others. It's kind of like the opposite of jealousy. Jealousy is when you're sad because others are happy. Schadenfreude is when you're happy because others are sad. That was me. I enjoyed the fact that they were sad. I mean, it's not fair that I've worked my whole life to be good, and they, they hear one sermon, and they, they get to experience love? Oh, no, 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 not on my watch. That's not going to happen. So I, I go to Yahweh. I say to him, 
Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. I realize I was getting a little irrational at this point, but that's how I felt. And then Yahweh called me out. He said, is it right for you to be angry? I was so mad I didn't bother answering him. I was pretty much in full tantrum mode at this point. And, okay, so I know this story is already a little bit, it's pretty weird. It actually gets a little weirder. I'm sorry about that. But I, I go out on my own to have a little moment and I sit down, and it is very hot, and the sun's shining on me. And out of nowhere, this plant just appears, starts growing behind me. And it, it covers me. And now I'm now sitting in the shade. And it's really nice in the shade. And in fact, as you've seen as the pattern with me, I fall asleep. And I sleep all the way through the night. It was very, very nice. I wake up in the morning, and I notice over this, you know, coming up from beside this plant is this little worm. And the worm starts to eat away at the plant. And then the plant withers and goes away. And the sun comes back out again. And then I'm hot. And all of a sudden I'm back in tantrum mode and I just, just want to die again. But I realize what's happening. It's like an object lesson for me. And Yahweh had this one last thing to say to me. He said this. He said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? And that's how the book of Jonah ends. It doesn't record my response, and I'm glad it didn't because I wasn't done. And I knew that that question that Yahweh asked, should I not have concern? I knew that was a rhetorical question, but I I answered it anyway. I said, should you not have concern? No, you should not have concern. Why? Why? Why do you need to have concern for the great city of Nineveh when you have your own people, huh? Remember us? Remember Israel? Remember the Hebrews, God? Don't waste your time on them. They don't, they don't deserve to be loved. What have they done to earn, to earn that kind of love, huh? You tell me. They're not like me. What about me? I, I am a Hebrew of Hebrews, of the people of Israel. In regard to the law, a prophet. In regard to righteousness based on the law, faultless. I have earned what I get. And Yahweh was silent. He was done. But in the silence, he was communicating. And I looked up at the plant and at the worm, and I listened to what I had been saying, and I, I began to weep. I began to weep because it took a storm and a whale to teach me about obedience, but It took a a little plant and a little worm to teach me about God's heart. 
I'd, I'd gotten the part about obeying, but I had missed the part about God's heart. What I realized in that moment is that I didn't deserve God's love any more than I deserved to have this plant grow over me or deserve to have a heart beating in my chest or deserve to be one of God's people at all. It's all a gift. And I realized that all of my accomplishments were nothing compared to knowing God's love personally. He wasn't interested in my accomplishments in the least. He just wanted me to receive his love. And then he wanted me to be open to the idea that his family could be greater than just who I perceived his family to be. I thought obedience was enough, but it wasn't. My actions may have been obedient, but my heart was cold. And what I was missing was the heart behind all of it. The heart behind God is that he loved those people that I hated. And when I was experiencing joy at the prospect of their suffering, he was experiencing torment. When I had schadenfreude, he had compassion. So much so that he would chase after me. But you know, the whole time he's chasing after me, I still thought it was about me. In fact, my whole life, all I had really focused on was myself. Even when I looked at Yahweh, it wasn't for the sake of Yahweh. It was for the sake of what I could get out of being a part of Yahweh. What he could give for me. Remember that that part before where I said, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them? I realize now that that idol for me was me. How much I could get out of Yahweh. I, I needed my whole perspective to change. The problem wasn't the nasty Ninevites at all. Turns out the problem was me. See, what I realized is that when I ran away from God and then he, he chased me down and sent a storm to almost tear the boat apart, sent a whale to swallow me and spit me out, I still didn't get it. I still thought, wow, I must be pretty important that he would do that for me. It wasn't about me at all. It was about them. It was about God's incredible love for the whole world. And I'm included in that, yeah, but it was about God's love for those people. For those people. For those people. For those people. Do you have a those people in your life? Maybe, maybe they're on the fringe of your life. There, maybe there's people that you don't even care to know that they exist. Are there people that you think don't deserve God's mercy because God doesn't have a, those people. Every one of those are ones that God longs to love. He longs to bless, even their animals too. He loves those people. He loves these people. He loves the best of these and he loves the least of these. And he will stop at nothing to communicate that love and he will do anything. He'll even use dirty little sinners like me to do it. So, so maybe you've learned something from me today. I, 
I don't know, maybe God wants you to care more about those people than you have before. Or maybe, maybe you think that you are one of those people. You know, you're not religious. You never thought God could use you or love you. Well, let me tell you that you're wrong because if God cared enough to send a storm and a whale to come after me because I was such a failure that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he would do the same so that you could know that he loves you. I know what, I know what it's like to have God chasing after you. It's, it's actually pretty annoying, but uh, the best thing you can do is stop. Stop running. God's not after you because he wants to take from you. He's after you because he wants to show you his love and uh, it's unexpected and it's intrusive and it is the only thing that matters. So stop running, receive his love. It's for you and it's, it is for the whole the whole world. I'm going to ask Anson to pray for us. Bow with me. Lord, thank you for this reminder of your heart uh, that reaches out in love to every person, no matter who we are. And so I pray that you would stir us, uh, Lord, to reflect your heart, to love others in the way that you love them without prejudice, And Lord, I pray that you would allow us to receive your love. I pray that you would break down those barriers in our hearts and mind um, that tell us that we are unlovable. And Lord, change us, transform us with the experience of knowing your love. Lord, I pray that you would do the work that only you can do through the power of your word and through the account of, of Jonah. And Lord, let it ring true in our hearts and minds. Let it draw us to respond to you today. And it's in the strong name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen. Well, would you stand as we indeed do respond together uh, in a way that we would acknowledge God as the only one with this power and authority and love that would send us out And he would soften us to respond by following him.